Hey there, welcome to the first episode of Walking in the Word. The goal of this podcast is really pretty simple. It's to take biblical truths that we can then apply to everyday life. The Bible has provided us a wealth of knowledge, and I believe that there are so many timeless truths that if we apply them to our lives, that we will then be able to live fulfilling and ultimately Christ-honoring lives. Today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter number 3. And we're going to look today at, at this, this topic, learning to suffer. I believe I could also uh, title this, Lessons from Suffering. You know, uh, if we're honest, suffering is probably nowhere close on the list of things to do. You know, if I were to ask you right now, what are the three things you want to accomplish in whatever time frame, the next month, the next year, next five years? I highly doubt that learning to suffer would be there. That learning to suffer, I, I know I want to soak in all the suffering that I can. But unfortunately, it's a part of our life. Suffering does not discriminate. You know, it doesn't matter what class of, of person we are. It doesn't matter what race we are. It doesn't matter in reality what even religion we are. Somewhere, in some shape, in some form, we will have suffering enter our lives. But as followers of Christ, we believe this truth. That God never wastes suffering. He never does. He doesn't waste a circumstance in our life. He doesn't uh, withhold things from us that could be beneficial to us. He allows us to go through things in our lives, ultimately for our betterment, even though we may not see it right then and there. God truly is working things in our life. He doesn't waste circumstances. You know, when I look uh, back at my life, I can see that there were times in my life where uh, I didn't necessarily take full advantage of some circumstances. That maybe God had put something in my life and I didn't take full advantage of that event. You know, uh, there's relationships, relationships in my life that uh, I didn't necessarily uh, invest in like I should have or uh, allowed them to invest in me like I should have. It was a wasted opportunity. And I know that we can all go through that. We can all look through things in our life that were wasted opportunities. Uh, but uh, one of the things in our life that unfortunately I think we tend to waste is suffering. And I don't in any way, shape, or form want to act super spiritual with this, uh, but we all know that suffering is a part of life. Suffering is going to happen. Uh, it's been said multiple times in many outlets that we're either going into a storm, coming out of a storm, or right smack dab in the middle of a storm. And, you know, there's things going on in your life today that I have no idea what it is. And vice versa, there's things in my life that necessarily I don't know, uh, that you don't know that's going on in my life. So uh, today, out of 1 Peter chapter 3, I'd like to give you really three lessons from suffering. Uh, the uh, epistle of 1 Peter was written to a group of people that were suffering. And uh, one pastor has even said that 1 Peter could be titled the epistle to those 
walking through the fire. Now, I don't know what your situation looks like today. You know, uh, at the time of this recording, we're in quarantine. We're, you know, in a, in, in, a, in a situation to where there's, you know, a stay-at-home uh, order and, and various executive orders uh, in place because uh, of the COVID-19 virus. And that might be your suffering right now. Your suffering may uh, be a, a marriage that just seems to be falling apart. It might be just a relationship with a child. It might be uh, another health issue. It, it might be the fact that you lost your job or how are you going to pay the bills? How is X plus Y going to equal Z? All of these things together, trying to figure it out. But I'd like to give you today three lessons from this passage that will help us that we can take and put in our tool belt, so to speak, so that when we are uh, encountering suffering, we can make the best of that situation, that we can take full advantage of the circumstance that we've been gifted by God. And uh, today, uh, as we look through these, this passage, uh, we're going to be, again, 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read verses 18 through 22 together. The Bible tells us, uh, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which were sometime uh, disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was of preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. The first lesson that we, we can learn is found in verse 18. And that's that we need to trust God's purpose for suffering. And that, you know, may sound very simple. But realize that there is a purpose behind the thing that God is allowing you to go through at this point in time. There are things in our life uh, that really that are, are brought on by our own doing. They're, they're, they happen because of, of our actions. They would be self-induced. Uh, you know, also we believe in, as Christians, we believe in spiritual warfare. So some things that uh, we battle with and we struggle with in our life are Satan-induced. They're, they're satanic in their nature. But realize that whether it's self-induced or Satan-induced, there is nothing outside of the sovereign inclusion of God. That He is sovereign. That He is uh, the ruler. He knows what He's doing. There is a purpose for the suffering that happens in our life. This, uh, in terms of, uh, of this, this lesson, really is a lesson of faith. It's a lesson of faith uh, because uh, it points us to the work of Christ. Look again there in verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered, for what? For sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to him, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 
the work of Christ. You know, his suffering was unlike our suffering because his suffering was on our behalf. His suffering was done so that we could be reconciled with God. His suffering was the just. He was just for the unjust us. The Bible would tell us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, we were still in the midst of our sin. We were actually, today, we had yet to sin. But Christ still died for us. The work of Christ. We need to trust God's purpose for suffering. You know, I can remember uh, as a little boy uh, being at the uh, the foot of my grandmother as she was in her rocking chair, my great-grandmother, uh, as she would be doing uh, some type of embroidery work and stitch work. And I, uh, I can remember looking up and seeing what looked like a tattered mess of, and balls of, you know, thread that what in the world, you know, uh, granny, I called her quickie. My, uh, my grandma could cook and she was, uh, you know, just a sweet lady, a sweet Christian lady. Uh, and, you know, but I can remember as a kid thinking, does grandma know what she's doing up there? I mean, she's messing up uh, this, this patchwork. Uh, and, you know, she would work on it and, and maybe she'd set it down and maybe another time she was still working on it. And eventually I would get to see the finished work and the finished work, whatever it may have been, was a beautiful picture on the flip side. But on the back side, it was a tattered mess. From my view, I didn't see what grandma was doing. Uh, I didn't see the work that she was doing and putting together. But no, really, there was just a part of me that realized, hey, I guess she knows what she's doing. We need to realize that, hey, God knows what he's doing. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Don't miss that verse, the fact that the tail end called according to his purpose. We need to trust his purpose for our life. You know, Jesus trusted God the Father's purpose for his life, uh, and, and we're better because of that. So the first lesson that we get from this passage is that we need to trust God's purpose for suffering. That's probably the easiest one to swallow. Secondly, we need to learn to wait for God's victory after suffering. Verse 18, expound upon the fact of his suffering and the, what happened to him. The Bible then says in verse 19, by, uh, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits uh, in prison which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Uh, and then jump to verse 22. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of, of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Uh, this, this lesson, uh, whereas trusting God's purpose for suffering was really an act of faith and a lesson in faith, uh, waiting for God's victory after suffering is a lesson in hope because it points to the future. Uh, you know, uh, having to wait for that, uh, you know, uh, think, be, think of Noah in the ark and thinking what in the world is God trying to do? What is God doing? He was really pointing that, that ark uh, as a picture of salvation of what our Savior would do for us uh, thousands of years later. But uh, pointing to that, you know, he was in verse 18, he was put to death. You know, he was preaching to those that were uh, disobedient. Like in the days of Noah, it seemed like a few uh, were saved but verse 22, but now he's gone into heaven. He's on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers are made subject to him. Where Philippians tells us that at the name of Jesus, one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess 
hope, future. You know, uh, when I was in uh, in high school getting ready to go to college, my mom uh, kind of claimed this verse that I'm going to read for you uh, out of Jeremiah for me. She claimed Jeremiah 29, 11, and even to this day, there have been texts or messages where, uh, where my mom has sent me this verse. It's a familiar verse. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, uh, to give you a hope and a future. You know, uh, this verse, uh, taken in proper context, is written to a group of people who had openly defied God. They were now suffering because of their actions. They were suffering because of their rejection uh, of God uh, and His ways uh, and the things that He was trying to institute in their life. So now they're suffering. They're in persecution. They're in bondage. And God tells them through the prophet, I know the thoughts I think towards you. These thoughts that even though right now in the midst of your suffering that you caused, the thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of peace. They're not of evil. The thoughts that I think towards you are are peaceful thoughts and they're meant to give you hope and expected end. They're meant to give you a future. Hey, to the person listening right now that where you feel your marriage has ended, hey, wait for God's victory after suffering. For those that believe that you'll never get that child back to you, realize that wait for God's victory after suffering. We're called according, for when we love God, we're called according to His purpose. We need to trust that, but realize that He thinks thoughts towards us. I love Psalm 139 where it tells us that the thoughts of God toward us are more in number than the sand. Think of all the, sea, the, the seashores around the world and every single individual grain of sand. God thinks about you more than all of those sands. He wants us to trust His purpose for suffering. He wants us to wait for God's victory. Now, if I'm honest, this is probably one of the hardest points for me. I'm not a very patient person. You know, the the thought uh, behind this is, uh, you know, waiting. I, I'm the type of person that when I order my food at the restaurant, you know, I'm, I know, and they they bring, I'm, I'm ready to tell them almost immediately what I'm ready to get, so that when they bring back my drinks, they bring back my chips and salsa, they bring my my uh, my meal with them. I'm ready to eat. I'm not a very patient person. Traffic is not a very good situation for me. Uh, and these different things, uh, waiting. But hey, we need to wait on the Lord as Psalms would tell us. Hope in Him. So lesson number one is trust God's purpose for suffering. That's a lesson in faith pointing to the work of Christ. Lesson number two is wait for God's victory after suffering. That's a lesson in hope pointing to the future. Uh, but lesson number three is that we need to hold on to God's salvation and live for Him in the middle of our suffering. Verse 21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save save us, Uh, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As we hold on to God's salvation and live for Him in, in our suffering, this is a lesson in love. And it is in relation to the present. Uh, you know, uh, the idea where the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save, not the act of baptism, but what baptism symbolizes. 
when we uh, go into that the water uh, of immersion, uh, you know, the idea of when we go into that water and that, that water hits our uh, the body, picturing the cross, and then uh, as we're put under the water, symbolizing the death and burial uh, of our Savior, and then uh, we come out in newness of life, uh, the, the resurrection of our Savior. We need to focus on that. And he's telling uh, these people uh, that he's writing to Peter saying, hey, live in the baptism and, and that salvation that you know you, you you trusted in even in the middle of your your trial right now don't give up hope rest in God's love right here and right now you know second uh, corinthians 4:17 reads for our light affliction which is but for a moment it may not feel like a moment but it is just for a moment this light affliction worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory what you're going through right now it has a purpose in your life. You know, back in, in uh, 2018, I believe it is, a, a journalist named Lydia Dishman wanted to uh, do a challenge. And she wanted to learn something new every day for 30 days. Uh, the, these things included knitting, poetry, uh learning how to play instruments, uh, writing music, uh, writing with her non-dominant hand, learning languages uh, and everything. along the, And she tried uh, every day to learn something new. And she, as she journaled uh, her, her progress, she said there were some things that were very simple. You know, she was able to pick up right away. Uh, and then what she had to do was, uh, as she was progressing and, you know, trying to learn languages and trying to learn how to play an instrument and, and writing with that non-dominant hand and in knitting and all these different things, that the things that she uh, didn't know how to do were taking up time. So she started pushing away the things that were of, of non-importance, uh, you know, and, and not necessarily focusing on them as much. Uh, but she went through all 30 days uh, and she she did her goal. She, you know, she tried something new, but you know, every day, 30 days and, uh, and it was a struggle. Uh, in her article, she uh, wrote this as her conclusion. My bottom line is this. I definitely felt more accomplished by the end of the month, having achieved at least some proficiency in a bunch of new skills. Going forward though, I think I'll stick with one task or skill a month and make a dedicated practice of it. You know, a variety of things you know, uh, come and go in our lives. One of those things that's actually constant is suffering. So uh, in terms of suffering, why don't we learn how to handle it? Why don't we learn how to make best use of our suffering? Because God never wastes a circumstance. Nothing happens by chance in the realm of the sovereignty of God. The thing that you're going through now, he already knows the answer of it, whether it's tomorrow, next week, next month, next decade. God knows the answer. Now, here's the hard part. Sometimes we may not hear that answer until we cross over into the heavenly uh, glory that is awaiting us as followers of Christ. But we can learn to trust God's purpose for our suffering, wait for God's victory after suffering, and hold on to God's salvation and live for Him in our suffering. Charles Spurgeon wrote in regards to trials, I have learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. You know, I, I will tweak that and make this my own by this. I am learning 
to kiss the wave. Because I want to learn how to make best use of my suffering so that ultimately I can glorify that rock that I'm being thrown against, the rock of ages, my Savior. You know, sometimes we get seasick when we're learning to kiss that wave. But remember that the rock of ages never changes. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And as Hebrews tells us, he's an anchor for our soul. What a God. What a Savior. He sure is an awesome God. Let's learn to suffer well. God, thank you for today. Thank you for First Peter at chapter number 3. Thank you uh, for this truth. Lord, I do pray that you would take these truths and apply them to our lives. Help us to suffer well for your glory. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.